Last week we talked about the resurrection, and it was in conjunction with the uh, the the music. And uh, I know some were wondering if I was going to preach uh, last Sunday. Well, I preached in between the singing, and uh, it was something we did a little different and unique. And uh, it was you know, I thought it went very well. But we we hit a lot of points last week in between those songs. Uh, we talked about the cross, we talked about the shedding of blood, we talked about uh, Jesus rising from the grave for our justification, and uh, all that's wonderful. I mean, all that's wonderful. But you know, there's more to the story than that. And even as wonderful as that is, there's still a little bit more to it. And uh, I want to bring that part to you uh, today, and uh, we want to talk about the ascension of Christ, and we want to analyze the ascension of Christ, because the story didn't stop with him just rising from the grave. I mean, there were some things that took place, and uh, even now, uh, there's some things that are continually taking place because of the fact that he arose from the grave. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to look with me to Acts chapter number 1, Acts chapter number 1, and when you find your place in Acts chapter number 1, we're going to read verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 1, begin reading in verse number 9. And when he, and that's talking about Jesus, had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And I want to take that passage this morning and talk about the ascension and analyze some aspects of the ascension, why that's important, and to give you an idea of what all of that does as far as the work of Christ. And let's pray. Father in heaven, what a privilege and honor. And Lord, how blessed we are to come to your house today to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I thank you for these that are able to be here today. I realize there are many that are sick and afflicted and have different things going on that they can't be here. And we ask blessings upon those. But Lord, I pray now you'll take our hearts and minds and whatever problems we brought in with this, Lord, I pray that we can put those aside right now and focus our hearts and minds on the word of God. And I pray if there be one here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, may today be the day they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Loose my tongue to speak only that which would be pleasing and bring honor and glory unto you. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. You ever read a verse of Scripture yet not really ponder what it's saying? You know, a lot of times we just read through the Bible and we don't let it sink in and let, a, let us you know, absorb what the verse is telling us here. And that, if you're not careful, that could easily happen in these verses that we just read. What we've got to understand here, of course, Jesus had already uh, rose from the grave. Of course, some time had already passed when we get to this point here. And the disciples, they're actually watching the Lord Jesus depart into heaven. Now, when you read the verses there and you read, when you see... 
uh, verse number uh, nine, when it talks about uh, after he had spoken these things and says while they beheld, he was taken up. Now, we're not talking about uh, blinking your eye and all of a sudden he's gone. Uh, we're, we're talking about an ascension of where the Lord is literally uh, ascending up. So, in other words, gravity lost control of them. The natural laws of gravity. And I want to tell you now, if you get on top of a building and jump off, that's, it's, it's not going to be good. So don't try to test the laws of gravity. And I understand, you know, parachutes. and this, But I mean, uh, there's, there's a natural law of gravity that was created by God himself that keeps us kind of glued down, if you will. I don't never, I, 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 I never try to defy the laws of gravity. Huh? Now, Brother uh, Eddie Mack here lately has been trying to defy the laws of gravity, and he found out he can't win. He's been falling down and bruising himself up and this, that, and the other. But Jesus, the, the very laws of gravity released him, loosed him. And he is ascending, and they are literally watching him. Can you imagine? He's talking with them, and this platform is, I think, 13, 14 inches up, so I'm a little higher. But, I mean, they were looking at him, and as, as, they, as they're, he's talking with them, all of a sudden, you know, their heads just keep lifting and lifting and lifting and lifting. And finally, the Bible says that a cloud received him. Did you see that? A cloud received him out of their sight. Now, you remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I think it was, uh, when people were walking in, they were stopping, they were looking up outside the door. Y'all remember that? Brother Eddie Mack, you remember that? Brother Emmett, you remember that? Y'all were looking up there at the steeple. But people didn't know what to, they were standing, they were looking, and you could see them outside looking up before they came in. They were out there talking about things. And, you know, when you get you start looking up and somebody comes by and they see you looking, you know, they're going to start looking up trying to figure out what you're looking at. And before you know it, you could have a pretty good crowd of people just looking for it. Huh? What are y'all looking at? What are you looking for? But can you imagine here the scene that these disciples had? Jesus is talking to them. He's ascending. Gravity has released him. He's ascending. He's, he's literally ascending up into heaven. Then a cloud receives him. And poof, he's gone. And they're still standing up there looking. Now, I'd be looking too, by the way. I'd be looking. Wow. But here's the thing. While they're standing there looking just like that, did you see what happened next? There's two men, the Bible says, that was standing beside them. Where did they come from? Boom, out of nowhere. There's two men in white apparel. So we get an idea that these are angels. Now, not enough that you just witnessed the Son of God ascending back into heaven. And then just like that, you've got two angels standing there. And notice what the angel said. Basically asking them, what are you doing? Why are you wasting time looking up into the sky? Basically, that's what he's saying. I'm giving you Arkansas language. Why? Verse number 11. Uh, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? That very same Jesus that you just saw gravity release... And to go up into the sky and be taken by a cloud, that same Jesus is going to come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. 
You know what the Bible tells us? That one of these days, uh, dear friend, uh, listen, I love sunshine, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't mind cloudy days. Because the Bible tells me that one of these days, Jesus is going to step out on the cloud and he's going to call us home, dear friend. I don't mind cloudy days. I love sunshine, but I'll take a cloudy day because I don't know at any given day the Lord may step out. That trumpet may sound and he'll call us home and I'll, I'll just praise the Lord and go with it. Amen. Yeah, call me home, Lord. But notice here, there's time that was wasted. Now, I wouldn't think, you know, wow, we just saw something miraculous happen. But in an instant, they were reminded that there's some important work that needs to be done. The disciples, they came off that mountain and they got busy doing what the Lord had called them to do. I know what today is. I know what year we're in. And I want to declare to us, it's about time that we get busy doing what God has called us to do as a church. It's time. You know, we can stand back and gaze at a lot of things happening in our world today. We can stand back and gaze at this and that. And all the while, that commission that was given to the church, it's never changed. There's things that need to be done for the cause of Christ. When Jesus returned to heaven, He returned with a specific agenda in mind. He had orders. He had things that He had to do. And He had, when He, re, when he ascended into heaven, He returned with those specific things. And all of these things, as we start looking at it, you're going to see how they affect us. How they benefit us. Let me give you just a few things about the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ and some things that might would help us as we understand the work that He has done for us. Let me give you one of the very first things that I notice when I study about uh, the Jesus that ascended up into heaven. I want you to notice that He ascended as the crucified one. The crucified one. Now, when you look in the Gospel of John, uh, you can just flip back a page or two, and you'll see in John chapter 20, John chapter 20 and verse number 27, then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now, the, the story here is the fact that the Lord has showed up when, when the disciples had been assembled. He has showed up prior, and Thomas wasn't there. But this time, uh, when the Lord sh shows up, of course, Thomas kind of doubted everything that was told. That's why they call him Doubting Thomas. You know what the Lord says? Here, examine my hands. Notice the prints in my hands. Uh, look at my side. Remember the spear had, had, had pierced his side? We're talking about this is after he arose from the grave. He went back to heaven as the crucified Lamb of God. He returned and he went back to heaven bearing in his body the very marks of the cross. Now think about that. Uh, at this time, Jesus, he's, he's not in a, in a gleaming white robe and, and all that. No, he went back to heaven as the crucified Lamb of God. Now, preacher, why is that so important? Well, that's all because of the atonement that needed to take place. Uh, he was fulfilling uh, his part as the sacrificial Lamb of God. Now, for time's sake, I won't go there, but you can read the book of Hebrews, and it talks about how in the Old Testament, how they had the priest that would sacrifice the lambs, and they would take that blood and put it on the mercy seat, but they had to do that continually over and over and over. But Jesus, the perfect, sinless, sacrificial Lamb of God, the very Son of God, He was crucified, and He ascended up into heaven as the crucified Lamb to take His blood and to put it on the mercy seat of heaven and to present us faultless before the very uh, God of heaven, and He did that for our justification. He arose 
and he ascended as the crucified one. He returned to present his own blood in heaven. Now think about that. That blood that was shed. There's an old song that says, uh, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. Here's the truth. I could have been crucified all day long and my blood would have never forgiven anybody. It took perfect, sinless blood. And the only blood that would do would be the very blood of Jesus Christ. I think about that because the crucified one, I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Boy, I'm so glad that his blood was shed for me. And I'm so glad that he ascended into heaven as the sacrificial lamb of God. Let me give you another one this morning. He also ascended as the conquering one, the conquering one. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, he conquered. Let's look at Colossians. Colossians. Chapter number two, Colossians chapter number two, when you find your place, look with me, verses 13 uh, through 15, Colossians chapter two. And notice what it says. Colossians chapter two, verses 13 through 15 says, you being dead in your trespass and sin and uncircumcision, your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, notice this, openly triumphing over them in it. Now that's, that's conquering. He ascended uh, back to heaven as, a, as victorious, not, not in defeat, but as, to, as a victor. Now, listen, as we read about the crucifixion and, and, and I think about the pain that Jesus bore in his body uh, on the cross for us. But let, let us not forget, that's not the end of the story. He arose triumphant and victorious over the grave. He arose from the grave in absolute victory. Now, when you read through here, what are you going to find? Notice how it mentions here. The fact that in verse 15, and having spoiled principalities. Now, that's a term. That's a, actually a war term. Spoiled. Uh, when you study about uh, wars, ancient wars, when they would return from the field of battle, those, those who had conquered and, and won from the enemy, they, they would actually spoil and, and take the goods of the land with them. And when they would return back from victory, uh, it happened a lot with the Romans. But often the Roman generals, they would return from the, the, the field of battle and they're bringing all the spoils of the war that they had captured. And they would go through and enter the city and the crowd would shout, Triumphus, Triumphus, uh, meaning that they had conquered and that they had won. Now, when I read here. And I see this, and it talks about Jesus having spoiled principalities and power and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about Jesus spoiling a conquering death, hell, and the grave. He had power over principalities. I mean, gravity couldn't hold them, but yet death couldn't hold them either, dear friend. 
We're talking about Jesus spoiling. Uh, he, he conquered in, in, in victorious faction, faction, death, hell, and the grave. I can imagine uh, the scene in heaven uh, when Jesus ascended there uh, after being down in that in the grave and going through there and conquering uh, death, hell, and the grave. Matter of fact, he has the keys, dear friend, with him. And can you imagine him ascending back into heaven? Can you imagine the scene that it was uh, in heaven that day that Jesus comes walking through the gates of that city, dear friend? I can imagine them saying, triumphant, triumphant. I can imagine the angels of heaven bowing down and worshiping him as he walked through the gate and through the, the streets of that city with those keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. I can imagine him saying, I've been to Calvary. I, I've won the victory. And I can just look at the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We're talking about Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave. He ascended as the conquering one. He conquered. Conquered. What right did Jesus have to enter in the city? He has the right because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. I studied the book of Revelation. And I read through there and I find out there was a book that needed to be opened. And they searched high and low. There was nobody worthy to open the book. And the Bible says, they looked and behold, there was a lamb slain. And he alone was worthy to open that book. Boy, when I think about that book being opened, when I think about eternity, when I think about all that we've gained through the salvation that's provided by our Lord Jesus Christ, and I think about the worthy praise that's due Him. When I think about Him being the conquering one. You know, you and I, can we can assemble ourselves. In, listen, I, I know how life is. I know that there are, you, there are people in here right now carrying heavy burdens. There are some of you, you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't know how you're going to get through another week. Some of you, your life's been in shambles. I, I talk to people all the time. They've got problems. But I want you to know that you can come into a house of God today and you can study the Word of God and find out that though your life may be in shambles, you can have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ because He's already conquered it for us. You can leave here today victorious in Christ. You may be defeated in the world, but you can have victory through Christ Jesus today. I wonder why so many people ignore that fact. And there are people that just battle, 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 battle through the things of the world trying to get a victory over something that's temporary. Temporary. Life is fleeting. 20 years, 30 years, 50 years go by so quick. But eternity, there's no time in eternity. There's no such thing as a time limit. You can live 100 years here on this earth and they go by like a snap of a finger. And that's not even a drop in a bucket of eternity. Don't battle for things of this world. Get your life in order for the things of God. Have victory. Let me give you another one this morning. Not only do he ascend as a conquering one. His conquering gives us victory, by the way. But he also, he also ascended. And while I use this term as the consoling one. But it's one who brings comfort. Let me show you what the Bible says in John chapter 16. 
in John chapter 16. Now, these are the words of Christ in John chapter 16. Notice what he said in verse 7. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus ascended as the consoling one. Now, though he had to leave, and though his disciples didn't want to see him leave, he said, I've got to. It's expedient. I'm not doing it without a purpose. I'm not leaving you without a plan. I'm not even leaving you without a resource. I am leaving and the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit unto you. Now, when you start studying the Holy Spirit and, the, and all the attributes of the Holy Spirit, you know what you're going to find? That the Holy Spirit benefits us. It's for us. Jesus went to heaven. He ascended back to do the work that God had him to do as far as the, the, being the, the high priest on our behalf. But he sent us the Holy Spirit. And dear friend, uh, I don't want you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, he sent that to us to lead us, guide us, direct us, to comfort us, uh, to be our GPS, if you will, spiritually. And all the attributes of the Holy Spirit, the, the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. There are people today, if you would just live and walk in the Spirit, you'll find out you're more powerful than you think you are through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do anything apart from the power of God. And when I think I can't take another step, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that leads me and prompts me to do what God would have me to do. It's that power that we have, that same power that rose Jesus from the grave, lives in us. And the Bible tells me that I can do all things through Christ. Quit defeating yourself. Quit you are your worst enemy. And the devil will be right there whispering in your ear, telling you all the things that you can't do. But then I start reading about the power of God and having the Holy Spirit in my life and finding out I can do all things through Christ. Maybe stop relying upon yourself and start depending upon God. You'll find strength that you never knew existed. The power of the Holy Spirit. It transforms us. It changes us. It causes us to walk in a newness of life. We're talking about the ascension. And how it benefits us. What Jesus did for us. Let's look at another one this morning. He also ascended. As the confessing one. One who confesses. Now let's look at a verse of scripture. First uh, Timothy chapter number two. First Timothy chapter number two. And when you find your place there. First Timothy chapter number two. Look at verse number five. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What are you talking about? He ascended as the confessing one. One of the, the most vital ministries that the Lord provides for us is his ministry of intercession. Jesus, right now at this very moment, is our mediator. He's making intercession on our behalf. He's standing. Can you imagine? Have you read what the devil does? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. And every little thing that you do, the devil is right there to accuse you before God. But here's the difference. I mentioned last week, there's two types of sinners in the world. There are saved sinners and lost sinners. You've got to decide which one you are. Okay, because we're all sinners, by the way. Don't think you walked up in here uh, into a perfect congregation. 
Hey, listen, you may see our halos over our head, but the only thing holding them up is our horns. Huh? <laughs> we're, we're just a bunch of sinners. But I tell you what, every time that the devil tries to accuse me uh, before God, he said, uh, God, take a look, look, look at your servant. Look at what he did. You know what I have on my behalf? Listen, I, I have an advocate with the father. We're talking about courtroom terms. I have somebody standing pleading on my behalf. And every time the devil accuses me, my mediator says, Father, my blood has covered his account. And so the devil has to sit down and be quiet because I am covered by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen right there. You know, when the devil comes to start bashing you and and berating you, when he starts reminding you of your past, why don't you remind him of his future? Huh? Remind him where he's going. The Bible tells me if we just flee and resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Start start preaching to the devil. Start telling him, devil, you're nothing but a lie, and one of these days you're going to be cast into the bottomless pit in the lake of fire. Just go and tell him that. Remind him where he's going. Confessing one. Jesus is proclaiming our innocence through His blood. His blood has cleansed us and forgiven us and made us away. Even when I'm not on praying ground. You know what the Bible tells me? Even when I'm not in position that I need to be, I've got an advocate with the Father. And then that Holy Spirit that's inside of me he makes intercessions also with utterings that cannot, listen, groanings that cannot be uttered. All these things that are working to my benefit. My benefit. Listen, Jesus didn't just save you to keep you out of hell, dear friend. He saved you and equipped you with everything necessary to live for Him, to be a witness for Him. Even on our worst days, even on our bad days. Think about this. If you're a saved child of God, even on your worst day, you're still going to heaven. That's wonderful. That'll make a Presbyterian shout or something. And on my worst day, I'm going to heaven. And when I think about all that I've been forgiven of and all the goodness and grace of God on display in my life, dear friend, that motivates me to want to serve Him, to love Him more like I should. Because I don't always do like He would have me to do. The confessing one. He's... Perfectly fulfilling God's plan of redemption right now. He sits in the very presence of the Father as a guarantee of all the promises of the new covenant. Man, that's wonderful. Man, Jesus, the ascending one. Let me give you another one this morning. He ascended into heaven as the confirming one. Confirming one. Preacher, what are you talking about confirming one? Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. And look at verse number 6, Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse number 6. Notice the wording here of this verse. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He's raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places. Think about that. What does that mean? His presence in heaven is the guarantee of our presence in heaven. Matter of fact, I'm just as good as I'm already there. In Christ, positionally, I'm there. It just it's not my time to go yet. Now I don't know when that time is, and I, I was talking a while ago. I mean, I'm not jumping in line saying, "Lord, uh, come on, let's let that train roll out of here tonight." But I'm as good as there. 
He's my guarantee. Listen, uh, there, I know there's a, several religions out there that you got to be confirmed. You know, you got to go through this process. And uh, I was talking to somebody one it was years ago, and I was talking about salvation. They said, "Yeah, I got confirmed." At, you know, I'm gonna tell you, you want to get confirmed. You put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon Him in faith and repentance and receive that gift of salvation, dear friend. You'll be confirmed. You'll you'll have a reservation, a confirmation already there. Jesus Christ already there as our guarantee. I thank the Lord for that. He's our confirmation. He's the confirming one. You know, we talked last week during the program when I was doing my preaching. And I, there, Paul wrote in Corinthians that if Christ had not risen from the dead, then all, all everything's in vain. Everything was in vain. All the preaching's in vain. Our hope is in vain. And that he was, they, they were having an issue about the resurrection. So he's trying to assure them of some things. But i tell you what, if the resurrection was where it ended, we still have some problems. He had to ascend back into heaven to complete this work that I'm talking about today. If, if Christians that are truly saved really understood what their salvation really was all about, they would bloom and blossom more than they ever have. God didn't save you just to set you on a pew to take up 6, 12, 18, or 24 inches, however much you take up. Uh, that's, that's more to salvation than that, dear friend. <laughs> we are just as good as in heaven. We are ambassadors here on earth. We Listen, God has us as representatives of, an, uh, of a heavenly kingdom. We're placed here on earth. He confirms us. Let me give you one more this morning. And I like this one very much. I'm going to go back to Acts. Chapter number 1. Back to our text. And we're going to find that Jesus ascended as the coming one. Meaning, He's coming back. Acts chapter 1, verse number 11. I've read this verse a thousand times, it seems, through the years. But these men, as we talked about, these disciples, standing and looking and gazing up into heaven... But he said, this same Jesus, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus loved us enough to be born into this sin-cursed world. He left the splendor of heaven as the Son of God, knowing His destiny. Knowing that every step He took on earth, don't you think about this. Every step the Lord took on earth was a step toward Calvary. Every step. What are you going to do tomorrow when you wake up? And, and whatever path of life you have, whatever vocation you have, whatever duties and chores you have, you take steps toward getting those things done. Every, every step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Every step of Jesus Christ was a step toward Calvary. Does that not do something for you? I mean, does that not kind of just touch you a little bit? That every step he took was leading him to a place called Calvary to shed his blood 
for the sin of the world. And that while he was hanging on the cross, every one of you sitting here today, he looked ahead in time. Saw every one of our faces. He saw every one of us that would be sitting in church on this day. He saw everyone that wouldn't be in church. He saw every one of us that would try to praise Him and glorify Him. He saw everybody that would cuss Him and deny Him. And yet as He hung there, He said, Father, forgive them, the ones that crucified the very ones that crucified Him. Every step led Him to Calvary. And every step out of the grave led Him back to heaven as He was preparing for the ascension. Maybe some of you have read the story that came out of World War II. Maybe you've heard of General Wainwright. And as you remember, Wainwright was taken prisoner by the Japanese and for many, many months he was a prisoner of war. General Wainwright, he lost weight, tortured as a prisoner of war. They began to tantalize him and tell him that America was losing the war and that he was going to be killed and that he would never see home again. Of course, he had no communications. He stuck in a war camp. He didn't know how the war was faring and he didn't know that they might be correct. Day by day, his captors would come to him and berate him, mock him, ridicule him, torture him. And then one night, some of our men were able to slip secretly into that Japanese prison. And they were able to get into the room where General Wainwright was. And they told him that the war was over. And it would be just a matter of hours when the American forces would come to the prison and liberate him. So the next morning, when his captors came and to begin their mockery and ridicule and to begin their browbeating of him again, General Wainwright, nothing but skin and bones, sat up in that bed and began to give them orders and to tell them what to do and issue the commands. Those Japanese captors, they went rushing from the room, out of, out of his room, and this is what they were saying. He's been told. He's been told. He's been told. You know what? The devil is a liar. The father of lies. And he whispers in our ears and he tries to, to tell us all kind of things. But I want you to know that you can start giving orders to the devil. You can start telling the devil about the victory because there's a king who's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he's already on the other side making preparations for us, dear friend. And you can tell the devil that you know the king and that you belong to him and that the victory's already won because of the ascension of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you today. Listen, as we close. I want to ask you, do you know this king? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the one that ascended up into heaven? The one that returned in the, that went up in the clouds is going to return in the clouds? I want you to know, if you don't know him today, all you have to do is come to him. You say, preacher, you don't know where I've been or what I've done. Doesn't matter. There's only one mediator. 
Only one mediator. You don't have to confess anything to me. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not about a church. It's not about a preacher. It's all about Jesus. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, he'll save your soul today. Let's bow our heads if you would. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. As we come to this point in time, maybe there's somebody here that God's speaking to your heart. Maybe God's been dealing with you over a period of time. And you know that today's the day you need to come to Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you with something, okay? I talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a work of conviction upon us. And if you're here today and you feel that work of conviction, that you need to come to the Lord, if you take the first step out of that pew, the Lord is going to help you to take the rest of the steps. And if you need the Lord today, I'll be standing down front and I will take a Bible and pray with you and show you how you can know the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, He ascended, but one of these days He's coming back. And I believe He's coming back, just like He said. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank You and praise You for this opportunity to gather in Your house today. Help us, Lord, to take these words to heart and to remember all the work that You've done for us and continuing to do for us. And I pray for the one that's nearest hell today. God, convict their heart and soul. Help them to step out before it's everlasting too late. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. As we stand to our feet.